So how's your weekend going? <laughs> it's fine. It's um, fine. I'm uh, I'm reticent to make any jokes about uh, you know a particular shitty motherfucker who may or may not have the thing because mm-hmm. I feel like by the time this comes out he'll be dead. Nah, I'll, I think that's likely. And then I'll be like, oh no, I don't have empathy because my brain doesn't produce it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only for white supremacists who are responsible for two hundred eight thousand people's death. Probably two hundred ten thousand by the time. This comes out. I mean, it's probably closer to 250, but yeah. Oh, cool. I mean, the, the <laughs> real numbers, not the reported numbers. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you looked at our, our county? I have not looked recently, no. Hmm. I, I, at a certain point, I was just like, what does it matter? Like, I, I'm on personal lockdown. I really don't need to know what the numbers are. Like, let me know when there's a vaccine. Yeah. I mean, I know it was supposed to go to Orange. But it didn't this past week. Is orange, like good or bad, or I have no idea what these fucking color rankings are. Well, here's one that gets I, I don't understand. Purple is apparently the worst, which seems like the wrong color. Okay. Red is the second worst, which is where we are. Wasn't our uh, our friend texting us today, being like, "Oh, the county just went to red. Let's hang out." And I'm like, well, "Is his, red good? Like what?" His wording, though, initially because he's confused, mm-hmm. was like they went back to red, and I'm like. I bet. Yeah. And then he followed it with like, let's go hang. And it's like, no. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm pretty sure red's not good. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the, uh, the air quality index. I think purple's the highest on that as well. Mm. Purple is hazardous. Why is purple a bad color? I don't know. But man, talk about my whole wardrobe. Talk about the sign of the times. Um, you know, shit has changed in the world when I have like, uh, air quality index little uh, complication on my watch showing all the time now because it's relevant. I need to know pretty much every day. What's the air quality like? Yeah. What's your outside thing? Like you go to the store. What, what else do you do? You go for walks? Not, not right now. No, it's <laughs> 162 AQI out there. Um, I mean, I, I, the only time I leave my house is to get groceries basically. Mm-hmm. And you're dressed like uh York from why the last man. You do? No, I, I dress normally. I get dressed every day like I'm going to go outside. That's just how I live. All right. Mm. As opposed to the rest of us who mm-hmm. live every day like a shark. All, all you slobs, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that you've shamed the entire audience to start mm-hmm. the podcast, I feel like we're ready to, all right. to dig in. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, I think we just covered that. Yeah. This week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the movie Us, Jordan Peele's second film, quote unquote, elevated horror. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to media wise. What are you watching? So I watched some Pretty Little Liars, um, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the end of the first half of the third day. The end of the first half of the third. So, day. I know you don't care about the show, but the the way it's set up is intriguing to me. It's a, I guess, technically a limited series. I, I don't doubt. Do I don't you, think. How HBO, do you watch the end of a first well, half? Well, I am trying to explain. Okay. Um, so I don't think HBO is going to do one of those things where they squeeze out a second season. But it's about people who come to a strange island, and everything's supposed to be normal, but maybe things are weird. Um, and so the first half, which is set during the summer, 
is Jude Law's tale of a long weekend in this place. And then the second half, which has, um, oh, I just forgot her name. Uh, Naomi, who's uh, Money Penny in Bond. Okay. You know Na- what I'm talking about? Naomi Harris. Yeah, Naomi Harris. Thank you. Um, it's supposed to be her three episodes are the second half set in the winter where obviously something didn't go as it was supposed to during the summer. And then the original plan apparently was because there's kind of loosely like a musical festival thing mentioned in the story was, I believe this weekend, HBO was going to have like a 12 hour live interactive actual event, like a musical concert on this island where the thing takes place. And theoretically, 12,000 people, if they so chose, could have gone. Hmm. Um, then that was supposed to be like the quote unquote autumn portion of the thing. So, so there's really three halves, two and a half. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still confused. How many episodes of the show are there? Six proper episodes, and then in the middle, this kind of interactive thing. So you you watch the third episode. I watched the first three episodes. Yes. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Okay. Uh, are you enjoying it? I guess so. This isn't the Ridley Scott one, right? That's, no, that's raised by wolves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's um you know it's it's shades of Wicker Man, shades of Midsummer. Um it's interesting, yeah. All right. Um what have I been watching? Utopia? So I watched the second episode of Utopia and then you said, loved it? fuck you to this show and turn that shit off. So why um, have you? I, I assume you have not seen it. Uh, well, I, I will try to avoid completely spoiling it. Let's just say that something happens at the end of the second episode that uh, made me not want to continue further. Um, it, it certainly kind of destroyed any interest I had in, in one of the characters. And it was like, uh, why do I want to watch this further? Like, what guy do a bad thing? Who would I even be rooting for? Um, so. And I, I I was curious. I went and like found like the subreddit for it. It seems like a lot of people had the same issue. Like that issue uh, or that episode, like that's a real brick wall of an episode. Uh, I would not be shocked if a lot of people stopped after that episode. Did a guy do a bad thing? A guy did not do a bad thing. A oh. girl did. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why, why are you, do you like think you know something about the original or something like that? Or No, I'm just thinking... What are things that would turn me off? And like mm-hmm. sexual assault would be one. That's you know, that's what I assumed. Sorry. No, not like that. No, it's just um it it, it arrives at a point where it's like, Am I supposed to, this is your heroine? I'm I'm rooting for this person, like I really have no desire to. Um and it and it just the whole presentation of it seemed really shitty, just very much like, ooh, edgy, didn't see that coming, did you? So, yeah, fuck that show. It wasn't that good to begin with anyway. And then that was just like, okay, well, I don't need to watch any more of this. Can we just uh, retire all forms of the word edge <laughs> from now on? Even what's his name from the band uh, U2? Well, I think the, the idea will still exist, though. Uh, I don't think getting rid of the word is going to change that. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, what else have I been watching? I've been extremely busy lately, so not watching much. I think I forced myself to get through a couple more episodes of The Boys. I'm not really sure why. Um, mm. I think it's just because, like, the podcasts I listen to talk about it constantly. And so it just, like, you know, insets me into thinking, maybe I should give that show another try. 
it's just, it is what it is. I wonder if Amazon can invent a thing where I can press a button and only watch the um, Carl Urban and Aaron Moriarty scenes. Yeah, probably not. Also, even in Aaron Moriarty scenes, like half of them is, uh, what's his face, like Randy Quaid's kid or or Dennis Quaid's kid or whoever. Uh, And I can't stand that guy. He's just as like a, as your lead hero, he's just such a weasel. I, I absolutely want a uh, situation where you meet him and you mistakenly ask him if he's Randy Quaid's kid. I mean, he could be. We don't know. You think Randy Quaid's with one past his brother and, mm-hmm. and is, uh, is Meg his mom? I had no, no. idea. It could be. I'm oh, sorry, that guy and Lewis Pullman don't do a movie together. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what are you listening to? Uh, so I try to keep a much more accurate counting of uh, what I've been listening to lately. Um, I forgot, and so I put on, I had the Us score on vinyl, so a little bit of that. Um, went back to an artist named Nana Ajoa that I liked, Faye Webster. Listened to a little bit of the new Tim Heidecker album, speaking of this movie. Um, you listened to a Tim Heidecker album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's a album of music. Okay. Is that cool? Is that all right? No, but go on. Okay. Do you like is like Tim Heidecker the part of this movie you hate? I mean, he's not my favorite part. Okay. Um, been really enjoying this album by two artists named Charles Spearn and Josephine Rinstein called Thank God the Plague is Over. Um, I've been checking in with my end of twenty twenty playlist, looking how that's shaping up. And then I've been listening to a lot of this Lisa Gerard song called San Vienne, I Am Your Shadow, quite a bit. Um uh it's like a modern piece of uh almost operatic classical music that seems very beautiful and uplifting and then i looked at the actual lyrics and they're oh boy they're depressing mm-hmm. so hit play again all right uh, by the way real-time update jack wade is the son of meg ryan oh. and supposedly dennis quaid <laughs> i how drunk would you have to be to sleep with randy quaid even during the good years. Anyway. Before he was like a mountain man Q nut job. He's somehow 6'1". You couldn't tell from the show. Uh, what am I listening to? Not a whole lot. I mean, obviously folklore every night. But other than that, mm-hmm. um, I guess I was listening to some old garbage recently. Nice. It was nice to get in agreement with the that band. when I'm working. Yes, the band, of course. To you youngins. Mm-hmm. What are you reading? Uh, I finished a book that I read a couple of days called Her Royal Spinus by Reese Bowen. And then I've been rereading The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Um, I don't think I actually finished it before. So I've been rereading it to finish it. And I've been enjoying it because it's great. Okay. Uh, well, the only thing I have been reading recently are my own books. Uh, my name is Trouble and Trouble also finds me. I suppose I don't think we've actually done a proper plug for it on this show. So no. I might as well take the time. Um, we wrote a book called My Name is Trouble last year. came out in May, I think. It's a, kind of a girl detective book about solving a mystery to win some money. Uh, the sequel, Trouble Always Finds Me, is coming out in, I guess, like 10 days from when, or nine days from when this episode posts on October 13th. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't uh, had a chance yet, dig in. They're fun. They're uh, fast-paced and entertaining, and they, you know, Got a lot of good reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. So if you like our sensibility, I think you would like the books as well. 
And one bad review. One bad review. What are you going to do? But so yeah, I've been to find that person and make them pay. That's eh, fine. Not, it's not for everyone. I'm just curious how she found the book to begin with. But yeah, I've been rereading those books uh, for editing. So I am uh, almost completely sick of them by now. So I, I can't wait for this to be done so I can just not think about it for a while. So you can promote them even harder. Yeah. Uh, we discussed kind of loosely uh, a contest yesterday. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I don't know how exactly we're going to do this. I mean, it, it probably won't start until the book is released on October 13th, but I think maybe we could do something where we could uh, have people, maybe they can just tweet uh, pictures of either the hard copy or the e-reader with the book on it. And maybe we can just do like a hashtag or something like hashtag troll walls finds me. Yeah. Or, or, or email for some reason, if that's not what your Twitter feeds about, I guess. No, we Although, have to I force mean, them to market it for us. That's the whole true. point. Yeah. Sorry. But, um, or I mean, they could DM us if they're private, but you know, something, something like that, where you do that, you're entered into a drawing and the winner can come on a podcast with us. And I suppose you'd say they can, they can do a PLL podcast, uh, commentary with us, but if they wanted to, and they wanted to do a headcanon instead, I guess we could do that too. Just pick That'd a be movie. Mm-hmm. So they get, do they get to pick the movie? I, I think they should. Right. Okay. If cool. they're going to come on, we wouldn't want to like pick a movie they don't want to talk about. So it's <laughs> like, all right, I guess I'm here for Scott Pilgrim. James wanted to do it. This is your chance to mm-hmm. discuss that Keegan Allen movie with us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll probably have some more info about that on our Twitters. So keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, let's get to the main topic, which is us. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, let me let me shit out my rambling mini essay here. Um, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. About a year, a year, year and a half ago, I was listening to a podcast on the Small Beans Podcast Network. Really, it's one of those ones where they have all their shows on one feed. And one of their shows has guests come on and talk about their issues and shit, which is not my thing at all. But um, I remember that one of the comedians who I believe was on the Cracked After Hours show that I adore talked about how this thing they would do as a kid which was whenever life was hard and they felt like they couldn't handle a situation, they would go and find a mirror and they would stand in front of it and they would just look at themselves. And then they would, they would look at the kid in the mirror until they were ready. And then they would switch places with them was their feeling. And then the kid in the mirror would go and deal with whatever stressful thing. And they, they would come across and until they came across something that was too stressful for them to deal with. And then they would go find a mirror and they'd switch back and they would just do that over and over again. Um, and I just thought about that again while thinking about this movie. Um, this movie, uh, I guess I'm concerned that how you feel about it, but I think this movie is slick and beautiful in a lot of ways. It feels like it was made just for me. Um, I've seen plenty of, you know, reasoned arguments that Get Out is the better movie, and maybe, but I, I really love this one. Um, I love the way it deals with the subverted, the finding an underlying horror and the idyllic. It's got that Ira Levin vibe, which is a genre of movie or book that's hard to nail down, but I love um, you know, things like Rosemary's Baby, obviously. Um, Get Out, of course, has a serious Stepford Wives thing going on. There was a Karen Kusama movie called The Invitation, which really fits into this a few years ago, you know, even Midsummer. Um, we have Room 237 documentary about like fringe film analysis. And that's, you know, even though The Shining is a movie that's probably just about alcoholism, but um, it's funny to see a movie like like us tackle Ellen's society, um, you know, with the way we, we demonize the other. Um, ignoring the evil that's out there to get us the, 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 the way the have nots will eventually come for the haves 
uh, I think it's pretty clear about, you know, the duality it explores, the relationship with the American dream. Um, but it's still kind of ambiguous in a way, even though it feels like everything is purposeful. And I love that. Um, every embedded cultural reference is there by choice. You know, it, the reason it switches from Beach Boys to NWA in the house, you really do get the sense that for some people there are two Californias. Um, I don't care that we don't really find the origins of the tether. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I don't care about questions about how they get red jumpsuits and golden scissors and like yellow or tan gloves. I don't care about that. Um, hanging the overlay of like this youngian and reading over it works for me. Um, I love that the title is, is so simplistic and that beautiful font. And of course it's us versus them, but in a way it could just be talking about, you know, us standing for United States and the arbitrary nature of our social and economic system. Um, yeah, I could really go on in this opening, which I'm just going to scroll through and get over with because I love this movie. Um, it's another one of those things that I'm so glad that I saw going into 2020. <laughs> it feels like a real syllabus for this year. Going into uh, 2020? Yeah, I mean, like, there's certain things. Didn't come out in sh- February 2019? It absolutely did. Okay. But, I mean, like, going into this year and, like, the, the meat and potatoes of, of how shitty this year has been, I was glad that I saw, like, Watchmen. Um, I was glad I saw us. It really, I don't know. For me personally, it felt like it helped me the way I, you know, look to art to help me re- reason and ration out the world. Um, I felt like I was really glad to have this in my, you know, my back pocket, my mental arsenal. So, you? All right. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to top that, but I'd say this I movie. I over like eight paragraphs, so you're welcome. Interesting. Okay. Well, this movie creeped the shit out of me when I saw it in the theaters. Um, something about the way Red moves, the way she laughs, is just deeply disturbing. Uh, it's sort of a mix between paranoid home invasion movies and zombie movies and kind of just like general paranoia, um, kind of conspiracy shit. There's a lot of really intriguing metaphors with the tethered about like the underclass, prisons, race relations in America. I think that make for a great after movie conversation, like you're leaving the theater and you and your friends are kind of picking you know at the details and interpreting the symbolism and all that i do have to say on second watch i didn't think it held up quite as well um Mm. maybe it's because i was watching it during the day and it wasn't like the the right vibe for it but um i think i found it more interesting to watch for all the kind of little hints about adelaide and all the symbolism but the horror element just wasn't really working for me as much uh just didn't seem as intense the second time through and there were places where it seemed slower than it needed to be uh, still, I think it's a kind of a classic sophomore follow-up for an exciting new director and absolutely a memorable entry into the horror canon. Okay. I would argue that Lupita, you know, I could see her being nominated oh, yeah, for sure. some awards mm-hmm. for this. Um, I think it's a shame that she wasn't. Yeah, I don't have the uh, Oscar noms in front of me, but I'm sure there's something they could have bumped. Yeah. All right. Well, it also came out in like February, I think. So that probably didn't help her chances. But uh, yeah, I have uh, eight moments. How many do you have? I have seven. So please start us. Uh, So my number eight is this scene where the kind of alternate version of Kitty, who I think has a name, but I didn't look it up, um, like Shadow Kitty. She's looking out the window, seemingly at like a fight going on between winston duke and uh, the tim heidecker are alt and it looks like she's screaming in horror but it like slowly morphs into a laugh it's just creepy as fuck yeah. uh great acting and it's all like it's you're outside the window so you can't hear her at all um and i guess also she can't 
I guess you can kind of make noise, but not entirely. Um, but yeah, it's just chilling to see the way her face contorts like that. Elizabeth Moss is good at playing creepy for sure. Mm-hmm. She's good at both aspects of her character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Dahlia, by the way. Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Um, my number seven is kind of indicative of of certain imagery that's in this movie. There's a creepy visual right after Adelaide's first flashback where she's on the couch at their house, just kind of zoning out. And she's looking at a toy spider on the coffee table as a real spider is crawling under it. It just, I don't know. It's a certain unease. It just like, you can't put your finger on there and it, it just adds to the slow burn. All right. Uh, let's see. My number seven is when, uh, when Gabe gets this kind of hero moment, rescuing them in the boat. Uh, big fan of Gabe in this movie. Yeah. And I think there is like, there's a certain point where you're worried that like he might die at least on the first time watching it, because he seemed like he was expendable. Uh-huh. Like, they might kill this dude off, um, but he made it and rescued them in the boat. Go, Gabe. I think only because of how much Red clearly hates um, uh, Abraham. Like, Does she hate him? It's seemingly, Red's whole speech in the living room, or the start of her speech, is about how she was stuck with her family mm-hmm. because Adelaide had her family. Okay. Um, and she says something like, you know, I had to have him, even though I don't love him. Um, at the beach, my number six moment is when Jason gets up to go to the bathroom and the blonde teens in unison say, why don't you just pee in the ocean? Jinx, double jinx, triple jinx, blackout. Um, because twins are creepy. <laughs> yeah, my number six moment is when they first kind of come around the corner there and they see that line of people going all the way out into the ocean. Mm. Pretty fucking creepy. Yeah. Like all the way like through the, the kind of little inlet bay there or whatever and then back out to the, the sandbar. Yeah, like the inlet people are like up to like their like collarbones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, when Adeline Zora are arguing over who's going to drive from, um, oh, which family is it? Sorry. It's uh, the Tyler's, Tyler's family. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's this like funny moment where this utterly serious situation relies on the family dynamics to be silly. And Zora's like, Besides, I have the highest kill count in the family. I killed both twins. And Adelaide's like, wrong. I just killed the other twin. Yeah, you don't get that kill number. And uh, Gabe's just like, excuse me, I've killed two. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where are we? Number Figure five? five. Yeah. Um, just when they do the drive through town, like kind of it's, it's daylight again. And we kind of see the carnage. There's just all these random bodies everywhere. Just a nice moment you know it's 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 horror it's like a post-apocalypse uh it's just really cool also it's mm. it's santa cruz which is hilarious because i went to uc santa cruz so i'm very familiar with the geography in this movie mm. uh number four is just gabe getting the baseball bat out and trying to talk to the family in the driveway and leaving if you want to get crazy we can get crazy um <laughs> you're kind of caught up in this weird encounter like you said the first viewing for the horror elements is key and then my second viewing i just kind of appreciated the little embedded coincidences and clues because i always love that kind of shit uh, but yeah you're in this like potential home invasion storyline and you kind of gloss over gabe's like code switching um but yeah i love gabe he's a big lovable dork uh number four is uh just the kind of good vibrations moments with josh and kitty at their place um, just the the initial fight with just it's like man this couple they hate each other 
And then him just like fucking throwing me like, oh, yeah, it's OJ out there, you know. And then suddenly mm-hmm. just very quickly, like they all just get dispatched. Like the, the two twins get cut and then other people come in. Like it happens probably in like 10 seconds or something. Yeah. How do they get in? Who cares? Yeah. Um, my number three would be the aftermath of that, the horrific setting of Josh and Kitty's house. Um, there's this great suspenseful moment, you know, where like Zora and Jason enter the house. There's obviously a dangerous situation. The music is blaring. So it's like you can't even hear somebody, you know, coming and it's like NWA blaring. And there's this great coalescing here as Zora and Jason find the dead bodies of Josh and Kitty right as the song is saying, MCN, will you please give your testimony to the jury about this fucked up incident? <laughs> um, there's just this great like sound design with Zora and that whole sequence. And of course, Elizabeth Mo- uh, Moss as the uh, Joker. Yeah. And I, I guess the whole thing with her cutting her face is because um, the, She's had some work the done. Kitty, Kitty had some work done. So yeah. uh, Dahlia... I suppose that's why she's named Dahlia. <laughs> uh, number three, when Red, I guess we're just calling her Red. I don't think she had like a yeah. separate name. Yeah, I'm sticking with yeah. one is Red and one is Adelaide, even though it's... Uh, probably, when she's saying. telling her story after the home invasion, like kind of the the first of two explanations we get, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, about the tethered and just that voice is so disturbing. Yeah. Which is a whole like medical condition she was trying to mimic for people who haven't talked in a while. Um, so, yeah, that should have been on my list, too. But instead, my number two is I kind of reversed these two. My number two is the final reveal in the ambulance as Adelaide really remembers who she is. And also Jason figures it out as well. And she just kind of smiles. Um, and we've already like seen some confusion where with the hero and the villain previously, and here it is like fully realized as I guess you could argue red is kind of like Killmonger from black Panther. <laughs> Maybe a little sure. By the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Lupita got a screen actors guild nomination. That seems to be the only major role. Not um, enough. Lots of, uh, uh, Saturn nominees and like, you know, various cities. Uh, awarded but yeah i think looks like no oscar stuff for her i think i think this movie must have gotten some oscar love but yeah but i think it's like a march movie so yeah i mm-hmm. don't know well don't maybe know. not maybe not any yeah because i'm not seeing any academy Awards stuff on here yeah it's a shame mm-hmm. uh number two when adelaide's true nature is revealed towards the end uh, so you think that josh clearly knows and isn't just like weirded by his, out by his mom, but he like knows somehow that she's one of the tethered. I think it's strongly inferred that he's figured out because there's a. Also, they make sure that the people that she kills, he sees every time. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, and the way he puts the mask, like the mask, I don't think has any real purpose in the kid's sense, other than maybe it's Mbatu's mask from uh, from Black Panther too. But like. He puts it on the end there, and I feel like he's clearly just distancing himself from all of this even more. Mm, okay. All right. And that's, what's your number one? My number one is is actually prior to that when when Adelaide does go down below, and you get the second of Reds filling her in, and she's like doing her literal dance, and just the way we're bouncing from different time periods. I just conceptually, I, I like it. I like how it looks, the acting, the editing, um, the way they have modified or, or got I've got five on it into the score. I don't know. It's very cool to me. All right. Well, number one, I have just the whole sequence. It starts with, there's a family in our driveway. Mm. Uh, 
that the uh if you want to get crazy we can get crazy that that whole moment um all of it leading to the home invasion is really really intense uh especially on first viewing yeah i mean umbra is straight up scary i mean she's like, yeah you know, yeah she's her makeup her makeup is really scary for sure yeah. like like red around the eyes and stuff little baby darth maul um back when darth maul was scary <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so diving in. Uh, here's a small amount of praise that I don't think you can really put on a lot of movies these days. I like that this movie is under two hours. <laughs> I do like that. I think it could have been under 100 minutes also, though. Huh. did feel like a little flappy in parts. Um, anyway, we should uh, at least talk about the opening title card here because it will be important. Uh, we get three kind of lines of text that appear. First says, there are thousands of miles of tunnels beneath the continental United States. Abandoned subway systems, unused service routes, and deserted mine shafts. Many have no known purpose at all. Which, not even sure if that's true, but go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I don't need any more than that. The movie's <laughs> like, here's the rules we're going to vaguely operate on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started this old commercial for Hands Across America from 86. Uh, a lot of great 80s artifacts on the shelf next to the TV, like the Rubik's Cube, the VHS of Chud and the Goonies. Uh, commercial for the Boardwalk. Uh, uh, Hands Across America. Man, I get that it was a huge deal back in the day, but that sounds so dumb. Like you're gonna I don't think it a was bucks. a huge deal, though. I think it was just like, just like a blip in the middle of 1986 or something. But the idea that you're going to donate a few bucks and hold hands for a couple of minutes and that will end widespread poverty, like poverty, like I went and did some reading. They raised like $30 million and 17 million of those went to admin costs. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah Santa uh, Cruz Beach Boardwalk advertisement there. Um, and when the TV turns off, you can see young Adelaide sitting on the couch for stuffed bunny. What do you think also, the bunnies across- mean in this? Um, I think they mean, according to Jordan Peele, they're an animal that terrifies him. Okay. But they're also like Anya. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're also they make a lot of sense for a creature that breeds a lot Mm -hmm. to feed a whole underground population. Sure, sure, for sure. But also hands across America in 2020, like that just sounds, you know, a 2020 sounds like a super spreader event. Yeah, don't don't touch hands. Yeah, don't touch people. People are gross. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we go to the boardwalk for young Adelaide's birthday. Um, her dad wins her a Thriller t-shirt. This is Cal Abar from the Watchmen TV show. Yeah, yeah, I like this dude. Um, really nailing uh, <laughs> the deadbeat dad who's there. Is he a deadbeat? I mean, I guess, I don't know. We have to, it, it's like, who are you siding with here? Are you on True. the mom's side? or Because it seems like he's, you know, winning shirts for her and wanted to have a good time. And the mom is just kind of like... I don't know, up his ass, like through this whole sequence here. Fair. I mean, we don't know what their situation is beyond mm-hmm. this night and the the therapy sessions, but like, it's clearly a nightmare marriage. They don't seem to like each other too much for sure. Yeah. Um, the dude just wants to play whack-a-mole. Um, you get to see how the one Carney fucking hates his job. Um, the, also, you mean the, uh, the guy uh, with the balls or the other guy? <laughs> the yes. whack-a-mole guy. Like, okay. <laughs> Which I believe he's the first Black Flag T-shirt we see. There's like a great joke a, about a lot of like one 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 imagery yeah. in this. Yeah. Well, the the Black Flag, I interpret it as be a joke about like this guy probably loves the uh, the the punk 
ideology of Black Flag. You know, he's a quote unquote real fan. And then later you see one of the twins wearing a shirt that they probably bought from Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Black Flag guy is a perfect Santa Cruz resident. Like <laughs> he's so recognizable. It's like, oh, yeah, one of those guys. Even Santa uh, Cruz is a surprisingly high population of dirt bags. A lot of Jeremiah 1111s. Yeah, and a lot of uh, I I still remember my first like freshman year, first class in UC Santa Cruz. We had to like write essays, and this one chick wrote this essay about how she's obsessed with something called hoboism because she wanted to be a hobo and like ride on trains like hobos did. And it was just like this really dumb kind of a Pollyannish view of homeless people. Mm. And she was like, obviously like just privileged white girl. who had no idea what she's talking about. Um, and that really stuck with me that you find those people in Santa Cruz. Hmm. Wow. People who've lost the social lottery of America and she thinks it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Um, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, also just anybody who's like, you know who I'm going to be in life? The end is an eye guy. <laughs> What does this guy do? Is he just there all the time, or is he like, all right, I've held my Jeremiah eleven eleven sign for three hours. I'm gonna go clock out. I'm a book of Jeremiah advocate, mm-hmm. <laughs> letting you know that uh, we're all we're all stuck down here alone, and God's not gonna save us. Which is roughly what I believe that. You know, I don't think too. I've ever actually played Whack a Mole. I couldn't give a shit. I always used to see it at the arcade. I think it doesn't appeal to me. At least when he first starts playing it, I think he, his strategy here. He just keeps hitting the same hole over and over, which I wonder if maybe that's the smart way to play. Like, as you're like, you're, you know, it's going to come up there X amount of times. Like, is it better to do that than actually try to chase it around? That's what they call marriage, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, also, beaches at night, kind of creepy. Yeah, the boardwalk's pretty creepy. We pretty much avoided that place constantly in, in college, but it's there. Um, I'd say all beaches at night, fairly creepy. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. Jaws. Yeah. The sharks will eat you. Uh, but also like, cause they, like it's dark, it's pitch black. And like, you just see waves occasionally coming out of the abyss. And in this case, there's like, you know, a storm of like dark clouds well, and lightning. There's kind of the way that the light from, you know, civilization there and just fades out the further out you go into the the sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course it reminds me even more of, what was the name of the place we went to last year? Uh, that was uh seaside in Oregon with the never ending beach. Yeah, I think that was two years ago, but was it two years ago? I think so. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, from the from the beach, she wanders one exhibits. Of course, 1986, it's the horribly problematic name of Vision Quest. As a I like American how you theme. see that it gets like updated. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Merlin's Forest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess she wasn't into that uh, candy, candied apple she's holding on to there. Just drops it in the sand. Gross. Uh, yeah, so she goes in this place. The, the power goes off. I mean, I, you could argue she's being drawn to... Adelaide's being drawn to red. I guess so. One of the things, like, I understand why it's this way, so we don't question it later. Uh But I feel like we really have no idea of who she is before the switch. No, she's 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 just like this quiet girl who barely says anything. Um, So, and I guess that that helps because then we don't know really that there a switch has occurred. But yeah, reminds me a little bit of um, what was that movie that I think you and I both liked? Perfect Getaway. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she, you know, makes her way to the exit sign. Um, there's a great, you know, classic bit of uh, she thinks she sees that exit sign and she just walks Bonk. right into a mirror. Bonk. Cool. I mean, lots of symbolism here, obviously, with the funhouse mirrors and everything. But uh, you can't go wrong with a good funhouse mirror sequence. I feel like. 
No, especially when done right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the kind of low key creepy of like she starts whistling and then somebody starts whistling the same tune back at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So she backs up against something and then kind of the closest cinematic of, like, evocation I could think of was Black Swan. There's a bit where the reflection turns around and looks at Natalie, but in this case, she turns around and reflection doesn't yet. Yeah, I'm sure that was probably done before Black Swan, but that one to me is the one that really stands out. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like, wow, that was fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, and we just see this look of terror on Adelaide's face. Then we're setting you up. You see her like baby. her irises, you know, go completely wide. Yeah. Yeah. And then the great credit sequence with just the creepy chanting and the the chill eye of the bunny. And we pull out and there's just rows of bunnies in some kind of facility. I guess they're just eating lots of bunnies. Oh, I think you see it at one point when they you do briefly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're just tearing. I wonder how bunnies. rabbit meat tastes like. Uh, how does raw rabbit meat taste? Grind it up and put it in tacos, you know? Yeah, they're not doing that, though. Mm. Um, so, yeah, present day, we're with adult Adelaide, played, played by uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Get the um, shining reference uh, shot here of the car driving. We get the one of those hideous stick figure families in the back window. Just like hideous, you know, level wow. Those families. Okay. Do you think those are cool? You like those stick figure families? I mean, stickers? I don't have a family, so, you know, I'm not going to just make fun of people for it whoops i did mm-hmm. but i think in this case it's especially funny just because i believe that's the formation they stand in in the driveway yeah yeah for sure um so it's an important image um so she wakes up as her gabe is pulling into the vacation house her husband they got their kids zora and jason sleeping in the back seat i love winston duke in this movie much like you um he is like dad jokes personified his, his corny dad in energy is just off the charts yeah yeah and i love that this is what he followed black panther and avengers <laughs> with uh i'm so into this guy like his like the i could watch like just the... like a tv show with this guy in it like it oh, could be yeah. about anything i would just tune in every week like merit of children without them like hating their lives mm-hmm. it's just him you know like uh yeah anyway like the the joke is you know like zora's like uh the wi-fi is not working and he's like you don't need the internet you got the outer net and she says in that classic cutting preteen girl way good one Mm-hmm. that good one will slice you in half um yeah so they're so this having, is i guess the lupita's parents house or yeah, maybe grandparents mom's house yeah yeah maybe the mom's mom's house because all their all she's got like childhood stuff she comes across here so it's not like a rental or anything like that yeah yeah it's her dance studios downstairs mm-hmm. yeah uh so the family's eating like you know their their lunch at the table in the house a lot of setup here you know, Zora doesn't want to do track and field anymore. She wants to learn to drive. Jason has the mask that he wears all the time. I mean, it's, it's like a Chewbacca mask, right? Kind of. I don't know quite what it is. I mean, mm. Chewbacca is probably the closest. You know, it's not like the Chewbacca lady mask. It doesn't make noise. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's a classic, like, there's not a lot of spare parts to the movie. Like, I feel like there's a lot of choices made and they, they usually pay off to something. I guess my feeling is that on rewatch, a lot of these scenes feel like they go on a little longer than needed. Like there's, you can tell he's just like, I really want to like bask in the vibe and in the mood of certain scenes when you could maybe trim a little bit, just so, I'm not saying cut them out completely, but just trim down a little. Well, what I do like is, is, you know, I won't argue against that, but the uh, tethered show up at about a half hour mark. The, the Wilsons leave their house another half an hour later. They're at the Tyler's for another half an hour. And then the last half an hour is, you know down below so i mm. kind of appreciate solid chunks that are all equal um 
So Gabe makes mention of the family going to the Santa Cruz beach later. Um, Allie's freaked out because, of course, she's got a fucking history at that place, man. But they're going to that she's never told him about. Yeah, seemingly. Yeah, they're going to meet their friends Josh and Kitty and their daughters. Um, so on the way, Adelaide has a or before she leaves, they has a flashback to her childhood after the boardwalk incident. Listening to her parents talk to the therapist, you know, saying that Adelaide has PTSD. And we see either. her putting all her little like toy animals together in a line, foreshadowing the hands across America. Yeah. Um, she was apparently only gone for 15 minutes, but you know, the, the, the therapist is like, let's get her to draw, to write, to dance, you know, anything to get her talk again. And the mom, she's like, I want my little girl back. Well, she says she's not my little girl. Yeah. Which, uh, hint, hint. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is when Adelaide's like, she's like, you know, on the couch, zoning out, having this flashback and she sees the the spider thing, which the spider's creepy. You know, um, there's, there's like a conversation about the track and field and how like running on sand is harder. I was really expecting that to come up, but it never does. Like I was yeah. expecting them to be running on sand at some point. Yeah. Uh, so there, she agrees to go to the beach, you know, cause Gabe wants to the caveats. They have to leave by dark. Um, she goes to find the kids. Zora's, of course, doing the teen thing. She's got headphones on. She's texting or Snapchatting, probably too early for TikTok. Um, and then she goes down to the basement where it has that little dance studio, the mirrored wall on the handrail. Finds that old picture of her as a little girl. And this is another one of those, you know, good, creepy mirror things where mm-hmm. the the girl in the mirror and the flashback or like kind of the, imagine just the flashback. Looks back at her, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just like, oh, shit. Jason's into pranks, playing with his sister. He's also a magic kid, um, and he likes to go in this closet where he uses his little toy ambulance, which we'll see an ambulance later, blocking the door. Um, what kind of closet has, like, an automatic lock on it? Yeah, I don't know. The kind you put people in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lake out back, and Gabe will find out because he's constantly, like, keeping up with the Joneses with Josh, like, wants to get a boat. So these guys, they've got to be, like, co-workers or something, That's, right? That's what I was going to say later. They are clearly work friends, right? work friends who've like are a little bit more yeah 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 Does, so, doesn't so, seem like uh like kitty and adelaide or like super bfs or anything no not at all not at all but yeah like if you're getting the gabe sitcom well, i'm afraid you're getting judged too <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah so gabe's got in a motorboat uh he's got a motorboat called the craw daddy um <laughs> he's doing donuts with- and they, they set up some good stuff here about the, the boat kind of like, you know, like leans to the left, you know, so you got to keep it steady. And the engines, they'll tend to just cut out and you have to bang on it to get it to start. And then it'll restart when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. So they get in the car, start driving to the beach. Jason has his magic trick, which is like a thing that like just sets off sparks, I guess. Yeah, it, it seems like it just sparks. I don't know. It, it's like a lighter without the uh, the fuel aspect. Yeah. Seemingly. I don't know yeah. why it took him that long to get it working. Maybe the flint was almost gone. So Jason's in acting out. He said bullshit at the table. He tells his sister to kiss his anus, um, which prompts the family to like, let's not talk. We don't have to talk all the time. They put on some music. Why would you say anus? It's almost more creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got five on it comes on. It becomes the song of the movie. Um, Adelaide, this is a good point here where Adelaide tries to get Jason to snap his fingers into the rhythm. You'll notice that she's not in rhythm because <laughs> something's up with Adelaide, yo. Um, I think the movie does a good masking of us just thinking, well, she's got PTSD. She has bad memories of this place. So we we kind of, a lot of her behavior, we just kind of credit to that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Another flashback to like her night, uh, the night of the time in the fun house where she's in the backseat and her parents are arguing about her disappearance. And we're staying with her. Like we just hear them in the front seat, you know, 
she's freaking out about all this because she's essentially in a new world up top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, comes back to now. Uh, this is a great. I mean, it, it it has a lot of the setup and the close down of like your classic zombie movie. Yeah, you know? yeah. Where it's like, oh look, there's an ambulance or like wheeling some guy, uh, you know, onto into, into an ambulance here because he's been attacked maybe, and it's oh, it's that old guy with the Jeremiah sign. You know what happened with that? Um, and it's yeah, it's got that classic zombie feel where it's like the characters don't realize that shit is going down yet because it's kind of just starting. I just imagine you could have shown this movie to this girl back then and been like, "Here's what you think is going to happen when you go into the uh, end is nigh hoboism mm-hmm. phase, but here's the, the hoboism retirement package. They find you dead somewhere." Um, so oh, yeah, you mean, the, you mean it's not all just like tying sacks onto a stick and popping trains? What gets me is presumably this would have been before Mad Men even pointed out the hobo code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Jeremiah eleven eleven from the King James Bible. There you go. Uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. The gist of it is, God said, "Fuck you." Get your pair of scissors and your red jumpsuit and take care of yourselves. Um, so the family gets to the beach. It's that great shot up above of the four yeah. of them walking in a line. I like that Shadows. shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the imagery is great. Like I, I'm so in on whatever Jordan Peele does next. Um, I love this movie. Came out so quickly after Get Out. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was like a within like a, a year, year later, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so of course Adelaide goes over and sees Merlin's forest hall of mirrors, which is what Vision Quest has been Vision Quest has been corrected to. Yeah, they're out on the beach at the in front of the boardwalk. I don't know. I'm not a beach person myself, so I can't say whether or not this is any fun. I seem to remember the boardwalk not being a super fun place to go to the beach at. I think their surfers go there, but it seems like a great place to step on a needle. Yeah, and, uh, not not even joking. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of drug problems in downtown Santa Cruz. So we have, you know, speaking of duality, you have two affluent families, one black, one white. Um, I feel like in the 80s version of this movie, like the two families would have been switched as to who's the star and who's not. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they hook up with Josh and Kitty here. You can tell that Josh and Gabe are friends, like we said. Adeline and Kitty know each other. <laughs> J- Josh and Gabe have uh, one of these kind of minor rivalries, you know, where yeah. it's keeping up with the Joneses type of situation where this guy... Not only does he have a boat, but he's got a flare gun on the boat, you know, in addition to all the other stuff he's, got, well, he's supposed to have. I feel like that is a classic, like, Joss Whedon setup. Yeah, yeah. Like, Joss Whedon would have, would have taken all of that to exactly the same place. Um, he, he calls it a dinghy. Uh, uh, Josh does. He's kind of sticking it to Gabe a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get to see the the Tim Heidecker, Peggy from Mad Men kind of uh, uh, form of livable hatred known as marriage, where it's like he gets up to get refills. And before he gives her the glass, he's just like, what do we say? And she's like, I hate you. And he's like, that works. <laughs> he says, I'm going to give my wife some medicine. He like gets the <laughs> bottle of rosé. It's like third one. Like he, he makes a comment. I'm trying to remember what the comment is, but like he, he makes kind of a backhanded comment about it. He says, what is that? Three? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, don't be the guy who counts your friend's drinks. Fuck you. You want thirds, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> So Adelaide says at one point here in this conversation with Kate, I don't talk very much. Yeah, you know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jason's digging some tunnels. The two blonde girls mess it up. The one girl keeps doing handstands. Creepy. Oh, you um, see the one of the, the evil twins do that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, just in general, it's creepy. 
Uh, these two girls apparently played Ross and Rachel's daughter and friends a hundred years ago. Nice. Um, yeah, this is when they talk in unison. Uh, just pee in the ocean. Beach toys are such drinks. baby shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's one of those classic hangs where it's like uh, Jason and Zora don't want fuck to do with these girls. <laughs> yeah, this is like the your parents are friends with somebody, so it's just expected that you're going to hang out with their kids. Yeah, but it's weird. And like, I don't. Like, these girls are like, oh, fucking baby shit. Uh, beach toys you're playing with. It's it, guys like, I'm ten. What the fuck do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, know? seriously, seriously. Uh, this is Becca and Lindsay, which are maybe the whitest names ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kitty's telling a story about how she could have been a movie star if the girls hadn't, you know, been born, <laughs> ruined her life. <laughs> she did a couple commercials. Yeah. So she's talking. Adelaide zoning out again, concentrating on other people on the beach, on the seagulls. Kind of the classic movie, like. I'm it's Jaws. They're, they're doing Jaws completely yeah, here. Yeah, Jaws. I'm having PTSD. Uh, it's broken up and a Frisbee comes flying in between them. It like they, uh, Josh and Kitty have this blanket that's like blue circles on a white background, kind of like a twister mat. And the red Frisbee lands perfectly on one of the blue circles, like the Just same little, size. Little hint. Well, it's it's cool because it's like it doesn't inherently mean something on its own, but it's like pregnant with implication. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jason gets out of the porta potty wearing a Jaws shirt. Um, He's, he's, we see that the Merlin's forest it says find yourself now instead of the old like vision quest problematic uh, Native American thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a dude just standing on the beach in a red jumpsuit, sandals, and old trench coat. And as we look closer, a bleeding hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you can see just like the cuff of his red uh, jumpsuit yeah. below it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the jumpsuits, like they're kind of high water and then they wear like tan like, uh, sandals with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is when Adelaide realizes Jason's not around. Uh, so right as Liz Moss is Justin, they go back to their place because it's Vodka O'Clock title. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason comes back and Adelaide goes running after him. She's very upset that he ran off without telling her. Um, and I don't think, I don't know, I don't think she fully, I think she's blocked out a lot of her past. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I really do think at the very end of the movie is when she puts that final piece and realizes, like, really where she came from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so she's relieved to have them back, okay? And Gabe's just like, "Yeah, we should go," because my wife just had a freak out. Um, which is probably, probably, I don't know. I don't, obviously, they're attacked by you know, uh, crazy doppelgangers, but uh, I don't know I, if I'd want to hang out with Josh and Kitty's for the afternoon. I just wonder what Adelaide is like normally. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Um, she seems like—is like it just that she she's like weirded out because they're in Santa Cruz again, or is she normally like a fairly antsy person? Good question. I mean, because that's the one thing is you take for granted that they're a family. They've obviously got all kinds of, you know, interpersonal connections, what have you. It's weird just to imagine, like, what was the Gabe and Adelaide courtship like? <laughs> um, I mean, Gabe seems like the kind of guy who he's just going to be his corny self. And she might be weird about it, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she still is Lupita Nyong'o. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So back at their vacation house at night, she's like staring out the windows as if she knows something bad is going to happen. Um, Gabe is upset that Josh got a new car to fuck with him. Um, he'll get that car later. Adelaide says, uh, you know, goodnight to the kids. And Gabe's like, see you later in the magic room. <laughs> like, this is like a fuck vacation to him. Uh, yeah. This guy's trying to have a good time, man. He's on vacation. Yeah. Um, Adelaide says goodnight to Zora, who's texting in the dark under her blanket. She says goodnight to Jason. Talks about how worried she was. He points out that the clock says 11, 11 PM. And she's just like, yikes. Uh, we see the picture of Jason Drew, which is an image from behind of Jason as it's he's very staring weird. at the dude. Yeah, the, yeah. the fact that he drew himself 
like a video game avatar into it is kind of creepy. There's so a has- really funny shot where you see uh, Gabe coming in and getting himself comfortable and just kind of like full man spreading his legs yes. there. He like this dude huge. is huge. Yeah, he's taking up the whole bed. This has got to be like a double bed or something. At least um, a double bed, but like it's a single for him. Well, like he Winston Duke. I'm pretty sure he was on Person of Interest. Was he not? Oh, I don't recall. Wasn't he like? Uh, let me just look this up to confirm. He was the uh, yeah. He was Dominic. Uh, he had like for one season. He was kind of like the like a a new power player in the underworld. I guess you'd say. I don't remember him. I don't know if he was just like younger then and smaller, or if maybe Jim Kesaville is like really tall too. So I didn't notice, but I never noticed how big he was on that show. But he's huge here. Like, Jim Kesaville kind of talks like a tethered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, how do you keep describing him? Kitten voice? Yeah, kitten voice. He's six five, Winston Duke is, so yeah. yeah. Big dude. That's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. That's too much height. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's awesome. I would he's put him in Taking everything. up that entire bed. And it's really like the I'm leaning back because I'm gonna get a BJ vibe that we're getting from this guy. Yeah, like he's just yeah. getting comfortable and she is not comfortable. No, no, not in general. Not just not just with what he's doing. Mm-hmm preceding that she has well she doesn't even see him she's just like staring out the window like you know panic rising well and and in a creepy way too is you don't totally recognize the creepiness of it because she's our protagonist Mm -hmm. but the way like she's like there's a lot of um um like almost professor quarrel-esque like hiding one's face you're just looking at the back of people's heads Mm -hmm. um so she wants to go she says it's too much being here there's like this black cloud hanging over she doesn't feel like herself and he's like I think you look like yourself and she gives him this dirty look. And it's like, when you watch in the second viewing, you're just like, Oh shit. They were just throwing it in her face. Mm-hmm. So she's like looking at her own reflection in the the window, tells him a story what happened to her as a kid, the hall of mirrors. The, um, she the ran into back. another girl who looked just like her. And he's like, you sure it wasn't a reflection. She's like, no, no, it's definitely real. And you can tell he's probably like, yeah, you probably just got scared and didn't, you know, like you can, th- you can tell that that's what he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that way, when when like your friend or significant other tells you like something serious is going on with them and you're like trying to let them off the hook. Well, it's like when somebody tells you they saw like a ghost or aliens or something. You're just like, sure. Mm-hmm. But I almost think it, like she's like saying. Let's say that this was like a psychological problem and she's trying to confess it to him and he's just like being like, hey, everyone has a hard time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I'm not going to suggest you get help or anything. I mean, later on, like, you know, I'm sorry, like later on. 20 minutes later, he should have been like, seriously, you just told me this story and now we're here? <laughs> How convenient. Um, so he's teasing her. She's not having it. Then the power goes out. And this movie gets cooking. Um, yeah. And then uh, Jason, the son, is just like, hey, there's a family in the driveway. Like, oh, right what? before that, Gabe's like, perfect timing. This is why Josh has a backup generator. Which will come back later. Yeah. yeah. And then they're just like, what are you talking about? And then they look out the window and there's this creepy family. They're silhouetted by like a, a street light behind them. So we can't see beautiful shot. much details other than like their shadows. Yeah. Uh, perfectly still holding hands out in the dark and just not moving, which makes it even creepier. Like you can't see their faces. They're not moving. So she starts freaking out, which I think is fair. She gets Zora's phone, starts calling 911. I would um, immediately be running and locking all the doors. Oh, for you. Although they're kind of screwed because there's like, there's so many like windows. Like, this, like big sliding house, doors. This house is like 85% windows. It's not very defensible for sure. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of wood. Mostly glass went into this house. Mm-hmm. Um, so 911 is just like, we're not going to be there for 13 minutes. And she's like, not good enough. 
Um, so he can't believe her overreaction, but he puts on his pants to go outside and talk to these people. He does this move. He does it a couple times. It's like, it's so anxiety inducing where he's just like, he's opening the door, but not looking out. Oh yeah. yeah and he's yeah. kind of like, he's got his back to the outside and it's just yeah. like, I'm going to go out there. Everything's going to be fine. Just give me a second. You're just like, Oh my God, turn around. Like who knows what's behind you? Like a neighbor who's dying to get shot mm-hmm. at the end of like once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, he mumbling like went on vacation. The whole family lost their goddamn minds. <laughs> so he's like talking to these people. They're not. They're not moving. They're not saying anything. So he gets the baseball bat and he's like psyching himself up. If y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Love yeah. that line. This is this is the code switching. And then, uh, and I mean, I, makes... it, I guess it, it it works because there's another one of this guy at the same size. Because otherwise, this dude would just wreck off with the rest of them. Once he gets motivated, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, I don't think Gabe's remotely a violent guy no not at all yeah um so red makes a little sound like a and they all just kind of like disperse like yeah figs or and jason are scurrying like the, like video like game characters hands and feet away yeah it's so yeah. creepy and abraham just starts slowly like charging towards gabe and mm-hmm. it's so weird to have a scene in which winston duke looks absolutely terrified of himself <laughs> but it's but it's real well and the way so, he, he he first he comes out there and he like yells at them, like, go away, and then nothing happens. So he comes back in and it's just like, all right, go get the baseball bat. And then he, he does the move again where he opens the door but isn't like looking out at first, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Like he's like backing out of the door and you're just like, Oh my god, at any moment something horrible is gonna happen to him. Also, I would argue he has the baseball bat, which is like a real, you know, American as apple pie mm-hmm. weapon. Later Zorro will have the whitest weapon of all time. <laughs> the golf the club. club. <laughs> So um, Zora goes uh, like shut her window. Uh, Escape comes back and lock the door. Uh, we see the Umbre through Zora's window. We see Umbre climbing up the tree outside. <laughs> Creepy, yes. like a fucking spider person. Um, Jason sees Pluto outside the window near him, and Abraham is just like, Pluto's got the, the weird mask on. Yeah, yeah, because um, we'll find out that Pluto is burned from the lower half of his face down. Mm-hmm. We hear uh, Red's ominous whistling, and she stops and she finds their hide a key rock. <laughs> And starts opening the door. So Gabe like throws himself against the door. And this is when Abraham gets the bat. And just, like, so he just like reaches in and takes the bat. Yeah. <laughs> and you're uh, like, oh shit. Yeah. So the camera's like spinning around. It's kind of great way as we're going down the hallway and we see the tethered coming at them and Adelaide like leading her children away in fear. I really love this shot. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like a camera person just spinning around while moving. Um, and we see Red and the others inside. And Red has her golden scissors. And they... The way Red moves is is so creepy. This like perfect upright posture. It's like almost robotic gait that the way she moves around. Yeah. Yeah. Very nerdy in a way, like just too stiff a posture. And like her feet seem like they're moving akimbo of the rest of her body. Mm -hmm. Um, Pluto's feral and obsessed of fires. They stand like directly across from their doppelgangers. Um, And again, speaking of privilege and status, Gabe was wearing a Howard sweatshirt during most of this movie. Jason has a tuxedo t-shirt on at this point. <laughs> and looking at them, Jason says, it's us. Roll credits. <laughs> um, well, and I think the the jumpsuits are very reminiscent of like uh, like prison uniforms. You know? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Or, or, or blue collar or, or mm-hmm. something. Golden scissors, single tan leatherless or leather fingerless glove. It's obviously a Michael Jackson reference. Tan sandals. Um, and then we get uh, scissors you know, I don't make... like as a weapon. That just seems like it hurts. It's kind of a brilliant weapon in this movie because they're huge. 
the way they hold them a lot, it looks like two odd eyes staring at you. But like you can stab, mm-hmm. you can cut. Yeah. Um, and Red starts talking. I don't want to make fun of this voice, but she's like, once upon a time, yeah, that's there was a girl. It's uh, had a shadow. Real creepy. At this point in the movie, I think I was still pretty much like, who the what the fuck is going on? Like it, it oh, wasn't yeah. until later that you really get the, the what what tether it is and and what's going on there. Yeah. Not knowing anything about this movie is a great way to watch this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the girl and the shadow were connected. They were tethered. Uh, when the girl was hungry, her food was given to her, warm and tasty. When the shadow was hungry, she had to eat rabbit, raw and bloody. It's like poetry of menace. Um, so Red gives us a glimpse of what her world was like since childhood because you know Adelaide met a handsome prince in Gabe that forced Red to be of Abraham, whether she loved him or not. Because Zora was born, Red had to have Umbre, who was a monster, born laughing. Um, I looked up the word Umbre, which is apparently the darkest part of the shadow. Hmm. Um, then because Adelaide had Jason, Red had Pluto, who had to be cut out of her and was born loving fire. Pluto, of course, is the Greek name for the god of the underworld. Um, and she's just like, the shadow hated the girl so much. <laughs> and then Gabe's like, excuse me, excuse me, what do you want? Yeah, do you I want got my wallet. I got my car. I can get you a boat. <laughs> yeah. And Zora's like, nobody wants a boat, Dad. And then... The line that I, I felt like could have sunk the movie, but it's kind of, I don't know, sickly clever when Gabe's just like, who are you people? And she's like, we're Americans. <laughs> um, and then in my mind, the uh, David Bowie, where I'm afraid of Americans, starts playing. Yeah, so they want uh, um, Adelaide here to tether herself with some handcuffs to the coffee table there. This coffee table must weigh like 500 pounds or something. It's yeah. like a massive coffee also, table. Same handcuffs that we'll that see Red later. Used, yeah. yeah, on her... Like, 86 mm-hmm. um and gabe tries to tell his wife not to do it and red's just like maybe i should cut something off of you <laughs> uh so she so, she does it she's like just don't hurt my children and then now it's abraham's turn he just like drags uh gabe away here and i do have to say as creepy as it is there is something a little comedic to me about for like for the next like five minutes in the scene we just like keep hearing Gabe outside just being like, ah, ah, yeah. like over and yeah. over again. You're like, what is yeah. happening out there? The off-screen sounds are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, like I cackled in the theater, jumping ahead a little bit. When the one girl falls off the balcony and you yeah. hear her hit the coffee table, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Punk. Um, so it's Zora's turn and Red's just like, little girl, run. Um, and so Umbrella like, does this like slow like Terminator walk. Like cracking her knuckles and stretching before she chases Cause, after. Because um, Zora is the track and field star, so it's like she's going to give her some time and then run after her. Yeah, um, yeah. So Abraham's taking Gabe down to the dock, um, you know, to, to, to the boat, which he loves so much. Pluto takes Jason with him to go play, um, and rests to Pluto. Don't burn our house down. Mm-hmm. And so I legitimately thought. This is going to be a thing where they kill them and just like take their place. That's what I kind of thought at this mm-hmm. point in the movie. Um, but not yet. No, um, this is where the whole like weird little trick, magic trick thing that Jason has comes back and Pluto wants to see it. Eventually, Pluto, they, they figures out that like if he like moves his hand, Pluto will move his hand too. Like they're kind of still somewhat tethered together. Like what yeah. he does, Pluto does. And then Pluto takes his mask off and he just has this totally creepy, scarred, burnt face, which is uh, that'll give you nightmares. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're like, yeah, put that back on. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside, uh, Zora still is like running. Um, again, remember, she's on the track team. Uh, there was a kind of classic horror movie situation where somehow Umbrella's got like in front of her 
on top of this car and like they're well and they're on either side of the car and then yeah. staring at each other through the window and then umbra just like ducks down below and it's just like yeah. oh fuck well then zora in a movie where you have to yell at the main character mm-hmm. she kind of like kneels down to like look under the car way too just, slow just run away <laughs> seriously just run the fuck away mm-hmm. um but then, of course umbra is now on top of the car um, and then the neighbor comes in. He's like in a wife beater and boxers. And he's like, what the fuck? Get off of my car. And she goes over and looks like she cuts him in like the leg or something. She just starts stabbing this dude to death in the background. Well, I don't know if she Zorgo stabs running. him to death. There seems to be some sort of rules. Like, it, I don't know, at least with our main four that like the they can't be killed by other tethereds or they're not supposed to be. It's a good question. I don't know if there's like Highlander rules mm-hmm. to it or does everyone have like a tethered? They could certainly have killed our, our main four characters several times and they don't. They want to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the Dahlia and like the Josh all, you know, they could have killed them at some point, but they don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, uh, the gist of the, you know, the have nots here coming after the haves is how did you think you could live so large for so long? And leave so little for the rest of us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like a storm coming. Um, so back in the living room, Adelaide asked, you know, Red what she wants. And she's like, what do we want? We want to take our time. We've been waiting for this day for so long. The untethering. Starts to push her head into this glass coffee table that starts to like slowly splinter like the glass is breaking. That's got to hurt. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so after being knocked out by Abraham, like Gabe wakes up in a bag in the back of the boat. And Abraham's driving the boat. He's like cut a little hole in the back of his fingers. I like how he's um, like slowly widening that hole and looking out of it. <laughs> so the same problem with the engine like stops the boat. So Abraham goes to beat on it. We can hear like another tether like screaming somewhere in the distance and Abraham screams back at them. So this is clearly like happening all over. Um, Jake, Gabe's got free of his bag. He like has the bat and smacks Abraham in the face and off the boat. The boat starts up again and Gabe is tossed off the side. Well, but on um, the like life preserver falls out and seems to like entangle uh, Abraham. So yeah, he gets like dragged off. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's, it's almost comedic the way it's played where it's like Gabe's like in the water and he's like, Oh shit. And then you see like Abraham rising up behind him. And just as he's about to get attacked, like uh, Abraham just gets dragged away. <laughs> Lucky for you, Gabe. Uh, yeah. So this is, we're back in the closet of Jason and Pluto and this is when he does like the spark thing and he, he gets out and he kicks out the ambulance toy and like traps his feral kid in the closet. Uh, Red goes to investigate as she hears like, you know, Pluto like crying to get out and beating on the closet. Well, Stop smashing. Interesting table. moment when Adelaide says that's yours. Like, cause they hear the kid and she knows like, Oh no, that's not my kid. That's your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she goes and gets like a fire poker to like break one of the wood pieces on the table to get like her, like what she'd like cuffed herself to. Yeah. Yeah, so she can't obviously she can't get out of the handcuffs, but she can get them not wrapped around the table. So after uh, freeing Pluto, Red goes to look at the dance studio. She finds like her stuffed bunny um, and like she cuts, she cuts the, the head. head. Yeah, <laughs> creepy. Uh, and so Gabe was swimming on the lake, and he sees the motorboat still driving around. He's just like hanging to the goddamn left, which hey man, happens to the best of us. I remembered in the theater that all the sequences Gabe here played really well because it's. It just has this kind of comedic desperation to it, you know, where it's like, oh, fuck, the boat's coming back because it hangs to the left. Well, I think Gabe and Zora both work as a great way to, like, alleviate a little bit of tension to get the audience to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was my – I like the the 
was it like the TSA friend and get out? I just thought that like some of the times his tone was a little off compared to the rest of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. So the boat stops and he gets onto it. Um, he doesn't take an account that Abraham is still in the water having been dragged. So he gets up and grabs Gabe and Abraham's like trying to ram the scissors into Gabe's eye. Uh, and then so he, he headbutts the uh, engine, isn't isn't that what he does, or or something close something to like it? That. Yeah. Well, he turns on the propeller, I think, on on Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Abraham just gets sliced up, and that's the end of Abraham. But also being dragged through the lake at night and still holding on to your scissors, good job. Mm-hmm. And so then back at the house, uh, Adelaide has rescued Jason, and then they meet up again with um, Zora outside, and they're kind of outside the house, and oh shit, what do we do? And then. You know, here comes Gabe to the rescue in his boat. Well, at first, the first of two times, they can't get into the car because they don't have keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he gets in the boat and he takes them off. Um, they're like leaving uh, feral Pluto and, and Red approaching them on the dock. And Jason's just like, what the fuck? Well, because you, obviously Jason you is... You see um, uh, Umbre run up to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like Jason's kind of our, I don't know, observer. Yeah. Like... Um, so this is like a half an hour or so at this point. So we kind of cut from Red considering this exodus to Josh to sleep in his chair of whiskey. Uh, and here comes Kitty in her Kitty, like 2019 Peg Bundy mode. Kitty thought she heard something outside, like a person walking around. And he's just like, I'm busy. <laughs> he's clearly just drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Napping, yeah. Mm-hmm. They have an Ophelia compared to an Alexa. Um, the upper level of this house is too high in my mind. Too high. Too high? Are you afraid I don't of heights? To, I don't want. I don't have to tilt my head that high up to have a conversation with somebody. Hmm, okay. This isn't Romeo and Juliet, motherfucker. Okay, but you like the, the uh, high ceiling is that's that's luxury style. You know, you want those tight, tall ceilings there. I just, you know, if you like, if you and I are vacationing there, mm-hmm. and you're like on that balcony, like, hey man, I'll be like, come down here. Okay, you could <laughs> just not, not tilt your head up. No, I just won't look at you. Okay, kind of like now. Hmm. Um. So, yeah, super quickly, the doppelgangers show up. The twins are taken out. Then Josh and Kitty. Again, who cares? How do they get in? Who cares? Uh, Kitty's still alive, crawling along the carpet, gurgling. Um, yeah, there's a lot of the, gross gurgling, like, blood noises there. This is what I remember the other day. It's, like, this great, like, Jonathan Demi close-up as we're, like, in her face as she's crawling towards us. And then the reverse mm-hmm. is, like, Josh is dead. Yeah, it's literally, <laughs> like, 10 seconds from when the first, you know, shadow twin appears to so when they've all been stabbed. Well, I think there's a comment about like, I don't know how uninteresting or not erudite or intellectual or, or whatever this family is. So their tethered is more basic or they mm. just don't have a red. It's clearly red is the brains of the entire operation. Yeah. Yeah. All the like blood splatters on the windows and walls. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, so fake Josh is called Tex. Um, so he starts to reach down to help Kitty at one point, And then he does this crude like, too slow gesture yeah like like runs his hand in his hair instead and then so uh the other one dolly just slits her throat yeah oh well, no before, yeah before she does yeah so good vibrations has been playing and kitty like calls for Ophelia to call, to call the police and so it's like okay playing fuck the police and then they start playing fuck the police and then she gets her throat slit uh so the wilson's get there Adelaide's like banging on the glass door and it appears that Josh has come to answer, but it's just like tether text. Pretty quickly. She realizes that this is not Josh and she sticks them with like the kind of um, that like part of the fire poker. That's like not the main point, but the little side one, she gets him with that right in the head and he doesn't even seem to feel it. No. 
He just stares it's at her and grabs her of, hand. Uh, his body that he uses. Yeah. yeah. Um, because she thought it was him briefly because he was wearing that hideous robe. <laughs> his. So uh, now Josh is going to go after Gabe. Um, they drag uh, Adelaide inside and the, the, the kids hide. Um, uh, it's kind of hilarious to me. Tex makes this like snarling sound like he's a fucking velociraptor. <laughs> Yeah, so the kids have like gone around back and decided to take some initiative here. So they sneak inside. Zora grabs the golf club there. They see the bodies of uh, Josh and Kitty there, so they know what's up. And now we know, you know, obviously this isn't just the one family it's affecting. It seems to be everyone, as far as we can tell. Yeah, and they can hear their mother upstairs maybe being tortured or, mm-hmm. or something. I like this um, moment where Josh, or not Josh, uh, Jason picks up this like amethyst statue thing. Yeah. And he like pulls down his mask. Like, it's like, all right, I'm ready to do some shit. Well, and, and then again, because she's kind of the audience proxy, Zora's like, seriously? Mm-hmm. So they proceed up the stairs slowly, the upper level. There's the two, you know, uh, non tethered twins dead on the ground. I believe kind of splayed out exactly like the dead yeah. girls in the shining. They're supposed to be, yeah. You see the uh, one of the evil twins doing cartwheels in the background there. Yeah. Uh, the tethered twins are Io and Nyx. Um, Nyx. Io. Like the Moon of Jupiter, mm-hmm. like Zeus's Lover, like the Netflix film starring Margaret Qualley, like the anime that I saw a million years ago when anime was this wild exotic thing in America, like the nineties. Do you remember that when the the infant sci-fi channel would have their one week thing of anime movies? Nope. No, it's never in no. an anime myself. No. Me neither, but it was like like sci-fi was like, Have you heard of this thing? The Japanese are doing it. It's like Shark Week, but with cartoons and tentacle sex. So they slowly proceed down this hallway over uh, dead bodies again the girl just handstanding Sora ends up just railing on both of these twins here gets them, well, she gets them both the rather quickly yeah yeah knocks one girl over the side you just hear this hilarious like thunk and then she beats the one girl in the, the bathroom and she, we hear all of those smacks turning well, the, from solid to squishy the girl in the bathroom we don't notice at first that she's in there because she's doing a handstand in the dark and then she yeah. kind of like flips over and attacks them yeah but yeah, but she great. seemingly is embedding that uh, golf club deep into this other chick's skull. I'm just saying, sound design and foley work uh, should uh, get some acknowledgments. Well, it's, I mean, it's a horror move where you just hear the noises and you see the blood splatter and you know yeah. enough. Yeah, because the noise is creepy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or in the the girl hitting the cop table thing, it's funny. So again, Liza Moss is the fucking Joker. The score is all romantic and sweeping. She's like putting on uh, Kitty's makeup in the mirror and like practicing smiling like doing like uh like fake you know what she's doing is she's doing the gestures of the gentleman from buffy yeah yeah um she has adelaide like kind of tied to the bed or something i think she's been handcuffed again okay well she's probably still got her yeah because she still has the she had the open handcuffs i assume she just you know tightened it around something else instead okay uh so fake kitty threatens to cut adelaide but can't for some reason so she Goes back to her vanity of a huge smile on her face, starts like slicing on her own face, like Travolta at the end of Face Off. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Uh, uh, this is where we kind of cutting to outside. Uh, this is Josh's boat that uh, gave his run to you and it kind of hold up called? in the cabin. What's this boat called? Yeah, what's it called? Uh, you know, I did not notice. What is it called? Biotic. Biotic. Okay. Yeah. Like, so like Biotic with a yacht in the middle? Okay, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is this a is a, a bigger, nicer boat with like a little like kind of cabin area underneath. Yeah. Um 
And these these two will eventually have like a face off where uh, the the evil Josh like gets onto it and Gabe is waiting with the uh, the flare gun that he fires, but it, he misses and just hits the wall. And it's like creepy and red as the uh, evil Josh like leans over and we that's where they're attacking and we don't know what's happened. We just see that up in the window, the uh, Dahlia is like screaming, turned to, to laughing. So it's like, oh no, what happened? But clearly Gabe wins. Well, see, then the, the Joss Whedon joke I was referring to is he put, you see that Gabe has the flare gun, and you mm-hmm. think it's going to be this callback to, and then to it Josh work. having told Gabe, yeah. you know, you always forget the flare gun. Yeah. And then it turns into this horrific moment or so. This is when I really thought, okay, Gabe is dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully he's not. So The kid, um, the kid saved the day. Um, Zora tries to uh, attack uh, Dahlia here, but Dahlia, like, turns around and stops her, like, perfectly. Uh, and they're, like, you know fighting on the bed but then jason gets a good whack in which i guess kills dahlia yeah real real heavy smash with the amethyst there i forgot and i was thinking it was dahlia downstairs after this but it's Mm -hmm. it's the girl yeah one of the teens so when we cut to later uh, the family's kind of like taken over the house uh the wilsons have taken over the house (laughs) they haven't even like thrown a blanket over the bodies or anything no um well there's there's a funny moment coming up but you know i got five on it's playing on the ophelia now um uh he's just like gabe's like you know back in the house he's like boats are done i'm done with boats <laughs> um they're at the table they they can't get anything from 9 11 or 9 one one um I was 9/11. the it's news. like all all circuits are busy yeah yeah so they turn on the news because they you know want to know what's going on they hear a reporter talking to a woman like uh eyewitness account of the tethered attacking there's a nice um, panning shot here where it's kind of like going across all of them as they're watching tv covered in blood yeah uh, the reporter tries to make sense of it before they go to the cell phone footage. And he's just like, they're doing what can only be described as wreaking havoc. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so, and, then, and then whoever's filming this is going to get got by one of these tethereds. But even before that, as they're watching the Henry Star Cross America thing, Gabe points out that would take a shitload of coordination. Mm-hmm. So um, Allie decides they need to go. They want to get the fuck out of here, take the coast, go to Mexico. Uh, this is when we see that they got the tethered twin just like tied up on the broken coffee table. Like they've just been sitting watching TV <laughs> around her. Yes. Whole time. Um, and so Gabe's like, you're scaring the kids. And Zora and Jason say, and you just like too, too late. late. Yeah. yeah. So Gabe wants to stay put. They have food. They have the backup generator that Josh coveted. The whole conversation about setting traps. And she's like, it's not, not home alone. You know, yeah. I love the bit where they're just like, what are micro machines? What's home alone? <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's just like, we're going to take their car and Gabe's swayed because, oh, we can take Josh and Kitty's car. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. We can take their status item. So they want to go outside. They don't have keys. So Adelie goes back inside. And this is when she realizes that one of the twins is missing. The the one on the table is missing. Yeah. yeah. It was on so the coffee table. She races to get those, those car keys at the car key fob. And like the fucking twin like attacks her like a tiger lady. And there's uh, a struggle. And uh, Jason has come back in to kind of like see what's going on. And, Comes in just in time to see the mom. Uh, I think she's got the scissors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she got the scissors. She's got, got, got all the scissors and just like brutally stabs the uh, the twin to kill her. And yeah. and is like really just like in a in a, a rage, like an animalistic fury. Uh, and it, it's like he's he's seen a side of her he hasn't seen before. Well, and, and I think you as the audience are thinking 
this is what a mother would do in this situation, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, a survivor would do. But what the movie is saying is that this is her tethered nature. And she is kind of making some noises that you later realize are like more like tethered noises when she's doing this. Yeah. 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 Um, so she goes outside. Gabe's in the passenger seat because he can't drive because of his foot. Zora's in the driver's yeah, seat. Yeah, the, the whole conversation about who has the highest kill count. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's like, oh shit, we got to go because uh, there on the road is Umbrage, just like standing there being creepy. And then uh, Duel of the Fates starts playing, mm-hmm. and uh, Zora's just like, get in, buckle up. Zora's just and like, just, I got this. Yeah, drives right at Umbrage, who like scurries up onto the car. She's like trying to stab through the sunroof of her scissors. She ends up on the windshield. I like how and she turns course- the uh, the wipers on to stop her from stabbing <laughs> at the windshield. And then the classic thing where it's like Zora speeds up and then just like stomps on the brakes, sending Umbre flying. Like a good 20 to 30 feet in the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we um, get the, so, the, another hint that, uh, or not red, uh, Adelaide is not who we think because she gets out to kind of make sure that Umbre's dead. And Umbre's like all like twisted and mangled in the tree and hanging upside down. And giggling. It, and, yeah. And instead of just finishing her off, Adelaide is just like shushing her and, you know, almost like comforting her as she dies there. And or, and or drinking in her death. Mm-hmm. Your, 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 your slow death cries make me stronger. So back in the car now, Adelaide is driving and the sun's coming up. Um, so they get in the town. They pass like a car full of dead people and there's like dead people laying in the street. Again, we're like driving through the aftermath of a zombie movie. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, this is the last half an hour. So we're in the final final fourth. I do. I almost put this on my top moments. The moment where in the backseat, the kids look at each other, Nora and Jason, and they just like fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they they come around a corner to find their car now by the beach on fire, and Jason knows it's the boy who looks like me. So Adelaide gets out to deal with it. She goes over to Pluto, who's like snapping his fingers, like like Adelaide had taught Jason to do. Well, the way it happened earlier. though, they they see their car and they're like, huh, and then they like hear a weird noise like right underneath their car, and they back up, and then we see uh, J- uh not Jason, um, Pluto standing up, like he's yeah, he's, he's been fucking them, yeah. with their car, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jason realizes it's a trap and tells the rest of them to get out of the car, which they do. And we see there's like a line of gasoline going from where Jupiter is to the car they were driving in. Presumably he his, like cut the gas tank is what he did. Or something. Yeah. So his snapping fingers reveal that he has a match. So Jason, you know, puts out his arms and starts doing his trick where he just starts like walking backwards and compelling Jupiter to do the same. And Jupiter steps back into their cars, you know, their burning car. The scene catches on fire. The scene where Pluto pulls up his mask and like leans over and smiles. Yeah, uh, and that that's when uh, Jason realizes it's a trap. But it, man, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Adelaide kind of has to watch this in horror because it's you know still when she's screaming out, "No, no!" Yeah, she doesn't want him to die. Her, maybe mm. still kind of her child in a way, and he came from where she. He came just walks from. backwards right into the flames and dies. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh, so also a reminder, this family has been up for 24 hours straight mm-hmm. at this point. So Adelaide, like, so Jason gets nabbed by Red. Red, uh, who was just like kind of in the background, like almost blending in with like a, a red SUV. And suddenly she just kind of rises up. It's pretty <laughs> creepy. Uh, so Adelaide goes, gets to the beach. She's going to go after to try to save Jason. She sees the tethered holding hands out into the water, like you said. Um, the doppelganger for Jeremiah 1111 is there as well. I think he has it like carved into his forehead, like he's Manson. Yeah, and so now it's um, Adelaide must go rescue Jason and leaving the other two to just basically hang out for the rest of the movie. They're good. Mm-hmm. And comes after them. Adelaide makes her way towards the uh, Merlin's forest 
she senses that uh, she has to go back to where it began. So she kind of has a few flashbacks. Um, uh, I like how she just that attacks night. that like mechanical owl that pops out. Yeah, she's just like, nope, not today. I'll tell you who. Um, there's a secret passageway in there behind a wall that has a bunny on it. So when they open the the thing, like, a real bunny comes out. Um, there's a lot of you know again copies of copies, um, xeroxes if you will. So Alan goes downstairs and she's like walking through like a machine room, takes a staircase that goes down, then a hallway and more stairs down. Then there's like an escalator going. We just down. like kind of keep going down and down and and more kind of weird industrial hallways and more stairways going down and yeah. Well, and I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, holy shit! Like, Lupita Nyong'o is basically Ripley from Alien and Aliens just, here. Just like boiler rooms and. Yeah, yeah, just weird rooms. And finally, like this super creepy, like all the way this elevator is lit with like the golden light. Yeah. She's going down like this tiled uh, hallway. And then now she's fully down in like the tethered world, which is just like these long white tiled hallways and a bunch of mm-hmm. bunny rabbits hopping around everywhere. Endless hallways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, like a cross between like an asylum and a mall, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we pass by one door and we look and there's a cafeteria in it with like the bunnies and cages and shelves along the wall. And up top, this is when Gabe and Zora get to the ambulance, you know, foreshadowed by the toy ambulance earlier. They see the extended line of tethered ahead of them and Gabe's like, looks like some kind of fucked up performance art. <laughs> um, so down below, Adelaide finds Red in a classroom. She's like standing in front of a blackboard with her back to her. And it's like, there's like stick figures drawn holding hands all along the lower half of the blackboard while she's like cutting um paper to do the same thing and yeah she's making one of those little like fold out things you know and and she's like you know how it must have been to grow up with the sky um so red's like we finally learned a little bit more about the tethered here and and how they're kind of you know abandoned but linked to the people above it's a nice split diopter shot Mm -hmm. as as adelaide's coming up behind red and she's like we're human too exactly like you um, also, Adelaide's once white shirt is now pretty much red. It from kind all of the blood. exposing her true identity. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the line here is uh, this is um, Red talking. She says, I believe they figured out how to make a copy of the body, uh, the people who built this place. Um, but not the soul. Yeah. But, but not the soul. The soul remains one, shared by two. That was the tethered. So they could use them to control the ones above. Yeah. So that failed. So the tethered were abandoned. They went on generations for generations about direction, and they all went mad down here. And she says, and then there was us. So we get this flashback of like you know young Adelaide and her family at the boardwalk, um, kind of seeing see- the the mirror down below of all the same physical actions happening in a different context. Yeah, the funniest ones are the people who are on like roller coasters. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're just, just standing like, all there. standing and like woo. Mm-hmm. So Red says, you know, God brought us together that night. And we see uh, Adelaide wandering off from her dad at the boardwalk, passing by Jeremiah 1111 guy. Down below, you know, tethered version has the 1111 carbon his forehead. Um, and so as Adelaide is like looking up at the storm up top, tethered Adelaide or tethered Red is looking at the escalator, taking it upwards. And they met in uh, Vision Quest. Um, and Red points out, you know, Adelaide could have taken her with her. But she chose she didn't. not to. So she tells the story of the miracle, which is after, you know, we don't quite know the full details, but we know um, that what we know now was red was stuck down here with these people. Um, and that, you know, as we think young Adelaide was dancing um, up top at like a recital, like a, like a ballet dance, like red was dancing as well. I, I'm thinking it's supposed to imply that it was the reverse. 
It's honestly hard to, hard to say. Yeah, but it yeah. this seems to inspire the tethered down below. Yeah. Like she becomes their leader. Yeah. Um so it took years, but she planned their escape. I'm assuming that the red jumpsuits are a reference to the candy apple. Like the red for the apple and the tan gloves and sandals, like the maple. The glove is Michael Jackson. Of course, there's the hands across America. I mean, it's a it's this insane plan devised from like the mind of a child. Well, just like the the last pop culture details the child remembers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I feel like we see variations of this in a lot of like post-apocalyptic movies. Yeah, uh, where it's like they don't have a whole lot to go on. What is like, the Christian Bale McConaughey dragon movie? Oh, uh, Rain of Fire. Fire. Yeah, where like they're acting like Star Wars. They're, like Gerard they're just acting it out because they don't have movies anymore. Yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to think. There's something. I'm sure there's something where it's like they had a book and the book told them, and this is what it is. Or like you know, the even book Zardos. of Eli. Well, yeah, or Zardoz. Or uh, the Postman where Tom Petty says, I used to be famous. Now you're the one who's famous. There'll come a day, my friend, when you're the only human being who have seen the Postman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she says, Red says to Adelaide, if it weren't for you, I never would have danced at all. Um, So, you know, Red starts moving around the classroom, um, doing like, you know, her weird walk has an even weirder addition where she moves like kind of. It's like a weird frogger situation going on. She's like weaving between desks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of spinning. So they're kind of circling each other. They have a pretty good fight. Fire poker versus scissors. And it it Um, almost seems like Red like knows every move that Adelaide is going to make and can easily dodge it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, like Adelaide, it's like chasing her out into the halls. And it's like, no matter wh- how many like big swings she takes, Red will just like easily step to the side. Mm. And it looks like Adelaide's like struggling. She gets like stabbed in the hand at one point. Um, so this is when the, I got five on it and the score is like blaring of like strings and guitar riffing. Eventually they um, end up in like the barracks room, I guess. Um, yeah. But now for whatever reason, uh, Adelaide is able to get the jump on red red kind of like comes out of the shadows like you know scissors raised with both hands about to stab and then adelaide turns around perfect timing with the poker to stab her right through the chest yep um and then so she, she finds... pushes it in deeper and then uses her handcuffs to literally throttle her to death yeah and uh jason was there witnessing the whole thing hiding in the locker yep um does she take red's necklace is that where the key is I think that's where the key is. Also, uh, Red, after she's been run through, starts whistling. Yeah. Uh, which, We're trying to. Yeah. Um, so Jason's scared, of course, because of all of this, but Adelaide convinces him it'll be everything will be like it was before. Mm-hmm. So later, Adelaide and Jason find Gabe and Zora in the ambulance, and they drive off in it, going like around the hands across the America, tethered, which were just basically standing there holding hands. Like, yeah. Like, this is their, their big show, this is their big coming out party. Um, so Gabe and Zora are sitting in the back, like reflecting all this. Jason's up front of Adelaide, and as she's driving, she flashes back to that time, you know, she heard of her, her parents meet the therapist, and it's like she starts to realize. Um, and we see that the tether girl back in the flashback choked out young Adelaide as a kid, dragged her down below, handcuffed her to a bunk, took her thriller t shirt, and became Adelaide. Went back upstairs, yeah. And so who we've known as Adelaide through the whole movie was actually red or you know, yeah. the alt version or whatever. Yeah. That's why she's unable to speak. And I suppose um, there is a little bit of like, have I been rooting for the wrong person the whole time type of thing? Although, I don't know, at a certain point, like, she was a child. She grew up and lived a whole life. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that, like, she's still secretly evil or something. 
Well, and the argument is, is presumably the tethered could all have been her, mm-hmm. you know, like, so on one hand, it's either like, is she secretly evil or is she a have not who rose up and quote unquote passes, you know, as a person of status? Oh, let me just get the kind of exchange of looks between Adelaide and Jason here in the front seat of the ambulance. So she just kind of, they're staring at each other and she just kind of smiles a little bit. And he just pulls his mask back down, keeps staring at her. I think he gets it, but he's like kind of distancing himself from it all. And then, uh, I mean, I think he gets that. I don't think he like suddenly realizes you're one of the tethered, but I think he he understands that there's something off about his mother here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not seeing her flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Minnie Ripperton's lovely Les Fleurs starts playing uh, as we get a we pull away from the from the ambulance as it drives to the country. You get this like, great helicopter shot, like some real shining homages here. Flying over lots and lots of country and hills, and there's a line of the tether doing the actual hands across America Just on the going horizon. All the way through the hills of California here, yeah. And there's a lot of smoke in the distance. You see smoke, um, you see helicopters. Um, seeing seeing actual 2020 up in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and that is us. Now think about this movie, I think if you start to think even for a moment about the logistics of this. Nope. You you shouldn't because it will not hold up. You just kind of have no. to take it for what it is. And you can't even really think about like, and then what, like after, you know, it's like, I don't know what they just like the military show up and just like shoot all these people or who even knows. Yeah. I think you're supposed to just kind of feel it, mm-hmm. um, which is why complaints slash changes. Uh, this movie is a fascinating tapestry. I don't really want to pull any of the threads. I mean, I would just say the, the concept it doesn't hold up to scrutiny, which is mostly fine. I guess it depends on, you know, your your own personal kind of tastes or whether or not that's okay for you. Yeah. Um, I do feel like it's a little slow, though. I feel like they could have got this down to like 145 instead of two hours. Hmm. Um, otherwise, make one change. Uh, none. The only thing I can think is maybe you could take out the news broadcast they watch just so that we kind of discover with them. Oh, okay. I don't know. And, you know, it doesn't make a huge deal one or the other, but that drive into town might play, feel a little more creepy if we don't know. Yeah. Cause it point. really, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. anything in the news that they get, you know, I know other than giving them the, the, uh, impetus to get out of there. It's really just, honestly, it's more the image of them sitting around the coffee table mm-hmm. with the girl in it. Like it's a normal living room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so power rankings. I have eleven. I have ten. Okay, eleven. That's good. Uh, that's a good uh, number there. So I've got the twins at eleven. Oh, okay. Uh, at ten, I have Jeremiah eleven, eleven, just because we see him a lot. I've got uh, Abraham, alternate Gabe at ten. He uh, he, he left early, so yeah, I didn't really put a lot of the the tethered on there. So at nine, I've got josh <laughs> yeah i have josh at night as well he seems like he sucks not that uh kitty seems great either but josh seems like she's, a real piece of shit she's still elizabeth moss mm-hmm. yeah uh at eight i have the tethered remix of i've got five on it okay i've got kitty at eight okay um at seven is where i have the twins because they are effectively creepy with their feral noises and predatory handstands <laughs> at seven i have umbre Oh, gotcha cool, creep cool. me out um at six i have kitty tyler slash dolly i have both um just because 
Elizabeth Moss's character as Kitty like kind of stands out for what Kitty is. Like she's you know kind of trashy in a way, but um, but like nouveau riche. Um, but at the same time, like uh, Dahlia also stands out in a much more evil way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got uh, Pluto at six. That burned mm-hmm. face is yeah. uh, man. Stick with you. Yeah. Uh, at five, I have Jason. Yeah, I got Jason at five too. I like the uh, both the kids in this. I feel like they're good horror movie kids. They're never annoying. They're no. never too precocious. You know, like I don't know. You see some movies where it's like the, the kid is like, okay, that's not a kid would never do that type of thing. You know. Well, I think you epitomized it for me earlier, where the annoying kid in a movie gets one pass, where mm-hmm. they do something annoying, and then somebody who's usually not me should step in and say, "Well, they're ten. Yeah. So maybe lay off." And then it's like the second time I'm like, okay, now I hate this character. Uh, four, I have Zora slash Umbre. Um, I love them both. Yeah, I got Zora's four as well. Zora got the the nod over Jason because uh, even though she didn't kill both those twins, she at least took both of them out. Yeah, and she, she went right at it. She wasn't. Mm-hmm. She didn't hesitate. Um, at three, this is my cheat. I have Jordan Peele. I think he did a great job. Okay, I've got Red at three. I, I split mm-hmm. up Red and Adelaide here. Okay. Uh, two, I have I have Gabe Wilson. I was really tempted to put Gabe at one just because I, I enjoyed him so much. But in the end, I mean, I just performance wise, obviously Lupita's just doing a lot more as Adelaide. Yeah. So I, obviously we both have Adelaide number one. But yeah, Gabe was a ton of fun. I almost put him number one just for the, the just the banana boat team energy that he brings there. <laughs> I, I have technically Adelaide and Red at one because they're mm-hmm. both the protagonist and the villain mm-hmm. of the movie. Um there was something like months and months and months ago, you and I were watching a bunch of like key and pill skits. And that's when I realized then I was like, holy shit. Like I wish I'd watched more of that show because you can see it. Even then Jordan Peele totally gets that connection between like comedy and straight up horror. Well, I think he so clearly, I mean, you can tell from watching key and Peele that like he really understands the tropes of genre. Cause they do all sorts mm-hmm. of like fun little riffs on different types of movies or TV shows on, on key and Peele. And like mm-hmm. he he just so fully and completely understands the way genre works, and so mm-hmm. he he knows exactly what he needs to do to, uh, you know, achieve whatever emotion he's trying to evoke. Like he's he's just like so fluent in the language of that kind of filmmaking. But there was like one that you and I were watching. I can't remember the total just of the skip, but it was like the two guys were at a dance-a-thon. Or right, something like right, that. yeah. And then um, Key realizes that Peel has killed his wife before the dance started, and he's on camera and he can't. Is that the you one where they keep they dancing. keep holding up the um the cue cards? Signs. Yeah. yeah. Your wife is in like, an accident <laughs> or something like that. But I think he realizes that Peel killed her or something. And he's like, he's like hor- horrified, but he can't stop dancing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're just like, absolutely, this is the guy who made us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that was us. Fun. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I think Get Out's a better movie, but um, I, I wouldn't say this one is a, an unworthy addition to his filmmaking I mean, at all. Having not really examined Get Out in a while, I would say possibly, but I sure love this movie. This movie just works better for me. It, it yeah. Well, uh, would we recommend this movie? I would say yes, but watch it at night. You gotta watch it in the right mood. I think it's a movie that if. I mean, you can watch it more if you really enjoy it, but it's like you're going to watch it twice. Mm-hmm. The first time, you know, going in, you don't know anything. And then it's, it's, I think it's worthwhile to watch that second time and just see the myriad connections and the foreshadowing and the teasing, et cetera. 
All right, so what are we going to watch next? I know we're going to do The Thing at some point. We're going to do the Keegan Allen Escape Room movie at some point. And then theoretically, there'll be a, a fourth movie, right? I think there are four. Let me just look at the calendar yeah, here. Actually, we can... Okay, yeah, we four. Four is right. We should do four anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the thing is, do you want to do The Thing or do you want to do Keegan Allen next? Um, I don't know. What are you feeling? We can do The Thing thing next and then uh, that leaves space should somebody win the contest <laughs> want to do the Keegan Allen movie with us which I looked at the IMDB for last night just to see that the movie got retitled and he's like despite what the trailer says he's not like the star of the movie are you sure about that yeah like he's like third bill but that doesn't necessarily I mean that's like IMDB billing that that doesn't necessarily correspond I, to the role I think technically it's probably a Holland Roland Roden movie but mm-hmm. uh He's in it, and he's Keegan Allen, baby. So I would say let's do the thing next. All right. We'll do the thing, and then at some point we'll figure out whatever our fourth horror movie is. Yeah. Well, So, you know, it's a good time for people to suggest something to us. Yeah. All right. Well, until then, stay safe out there. Wear a mask, unlike uh, some people who are regretting vote. it now, I hope. And because some people vote, <laughs> vote, vote. Yeah. Cool. All right. Later. Bye.